1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: If I describe to you an environment where there's nothing but turmoil... Tension, stress, seemingly every moment. You can rarely capture a, a nanosecond of peace when everybody seems to be getting along. There's yelling and fighting, and doors being slammed, and arguments going on, and kids acting out, misbehaving. And it goes sometimes even beyond the behavior in the home to the behavior in the school. It's destructive behavior. It's behavior that might include association with gangs and one too many telephone calls either made to or received from the police department. Growing numbers of families, particularly so in the inner cities, are experiencing the challenges of parenting in the 21st century. But does that necessarily mean that you give up hope? Well, certainly the answer is no. But then the other question becomes, how do you go about gaining the necessary skills to raise a challenging child in challenging times? You know, oddly enough, when you think about all the life skills necessary and the important tasks that you'll ever engage in in the totality of your life, Whether you might be the president of an important bank, run your own corporation, whatever it might be, you'll do nothing more important than raise kids and prepare them to become successful adults in life, both in the terms of the way the world measures success, family, having a home, having a good job, and most importantly, from a spiritual standpoint. All that said, don't you wish they came with manuals? Isn't it be nice if once the doctor says, congratulations, Mr. Smith or Mrs. Jones, here's your your bouncing new baby boy and girl, and here's a copy of the manual, And <laughs> but it just doesn't work that way, does it? But in fact, there are insights available, and there are tools and resources that are out there that if you're already a parent dealing with that messy situation I described a moment ago, there are places that you can go to learn the necessary skills, not with the idea of changing your kids, but changing you first and foremost. And as you change, then God, in turn, can work through you to see a life change in those kids. Joining me now in studio is Vern Tyler, certainly no stranger to the KFAX microphones. Down through the years, for many, many years, he and his lovely wife Judy ran Hosanna Homes, and now they've they've taken a new direction in terms of of ministry. It's now called Hosanna Pathways. And it really comes down to, uh, Vern Tyler, equipping parents with the kind of skills that they really need to become successful at parenting.
3: And it's so desperately needed. Um, We, uh, over the years, of course, Judy and I, have uh, foster-parented over 800 kids. So we had a pretty extensive experience. Uh, Our three biological children and our uh, uh, grandchildren Um, And thankfully, uh, half of those children, or half the children, and half my grandkids now are in full-time ministry. Wow. So, um, you know, God has been very gracious with the Tyler family and has given us some direction with regard to ministry, and I think it's been very effective. So we're trying now to kind of migrate away from the foster care side and... uh, Provides support for families that need to learn
2: parenting skills. There has to be something that uh, down through the years you and Judy learned in uh, <laughs> helping to, uh, to rear uh, over 800 kids along with your own three biological children um, that can be passed on to other parents out there, many of whom say you know, I've, I've tried everything and it just seems to be a battle of the wills and it runs the gambit. It can be the the misbehaving Behaving, back talking, five year old or the 18 year old who does nothing but slam doors and get in trouble with the police.
3: And Craig, you know, I think the environments in which we're raising our children I'm going to say both the church and the family we don't understand the significance of um, our behavior, what we expect of our children. Uh, so, in the end, our kid, our, in the process, our children were very confused. They don't see the reality of their faith. Um, it's a very shallow experience. But I see in families, we turn to professionals. We don't think that we can handle some of these things on our own, so we're missing some of the basics. Even in churches, the majority of churches, particularly mega churches now, children's church, I think has been the worst thing in the modern church that has ever happened because we separate families children go to their church, adults go to their church. I find it amazing, just this last year, in our church we had a Sunday where we had all of the teachers and everybody take a leave of absence, if you will, and bring all the children into the congregation. It was very peaceful. But the amazing thing that I saw was after the church, I was wanting to greet some of these families that were around me and encourage them to say, you know, how Uh, grateful I was to see them sitting as a family in main church and I wanted to introduce myself to those children that were around they didn't even know how to introduce themselves to me they look up at their parents and say what do you do when I have my hand extended this is a confusion that's out there these are the things that when we wonder why 70-80% of our kids leave within a short period after graduation um, because they're not invested. They have not experienced something.
2: Well, and there's a point, too, that you make. You you made comment a moment ago, Vern, about uh, uh, the notion of what, what we as parents expect of our children. And if, if I were to poll everybody listening right now and say, you as mom, you as dad, what do you expect of your children? They would come off with a laundry list immediately. Do your homework. Get to school on time. Be respectful. Don't talk back. Be honest. Go on and on the list goes. We never take the time to ask ourselves a more important question, and that is, what do our children expect of us? And one of the, the
3: issues I think here is, is we were raised as, uh, our parents raised us with a so-called issue of, quote, unquote, control. Parents were expected to control their children. And one of the things that I work with very closely or or very uh, emphasized very, very strongly with the Parent Project is we don't control children. We control their things. Now, that distinction has to be developed. I can't do that necessarily here on the radio, but the idea is uh, if you try to control children, you're going to be punitive in nature.
2: That just seems to be the automatic way that you go. And I think deep down at a certain point, parents begin to realize... You really can't control that. That's right. It's a futile process. At the end of the day, they're gonna wind up controlling you.
3: And you're gonna aggravate, you're gonna compound the situation. Uh, so you learn how to if if you just kinda of stop it and think of it in this concept, you and I, we work every day. Why do we work? Because we're motivated to work. We get a paycheck. Uh, for an actor we're we've got a reputation. For a athlete, we've got a reputation. Uh, That is a motivating factor for us. We have to understand what the motivating factor of our children is. And it's the things they enjoy doing. Their iPod, TV, their video games. Use those in a constructive way. Control their items and tell them flat out, I don't control you. I can't control you. You and I know in our growing up, every day we would do things that our parents would not approve of. Mm -hmm. Every day. Our children are no different. So we've got to understand the nature of our children. And we have to understand that we cannot control them. We can
2: influence them. And that's what we work at. Every parent listening right now who is dealing with one aspect or another or multiple aspects of the laundry list that I cited a few moments ago, again, acting out, it could be the gambit of alcohol abuse, criminal behavior, destructive behavior to self and others, on and on the list goes. Every parent is saying, Vern, if I only had an answer, if there was only something I could do to change my son or daughter. When we come back after a timeout, we'll talk about that. Can you actually do something to affect change in them? And if so, what is that? Is it ultimately a child behavior problem? Or is it a bigger problem? A brief timeout, back with more as Lifeline continues.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: And Tyler is with us tonight in studio from Hosanna Pathways. More information, by the way, on the web at HosannaPathways.org. And, um, of course, um, we're talking about the Hosanna Parent Project and some of the skills that can be employed by parents to learn how to change up the dialogue, change up the approach, change up the, the conversation, so to speak, to, uh, to address many of the challenging behaviors that we've been talking about in tonight's program. Let's jump into a, quick, a couple of quick calls here. We're going to lead off first with... Uh, Liz, who's here in the Bay Area. Liz, come on in with your comment or question for Vern Tyler.
4: Hi, Mr. Tyler, and thank you, Craig. I was just wondering, um, when parents find themselves in a situation, especially through divorce, that things just kind of went wrong and um, you want to start to, you know, repairing forward, what are some strategies that you suggest?
3: Number one, I'm sure you realize this. Most children who are a product of divorce deal with very deep anger. Anger that is very difficult to even disclose to, I'm going to say, a counselor. Um, I find um, dealing with these kids in prayer oftentimes reveals a depth that I can't get in a counseling kind of an environment. Um, so you've got to realize, number one, these kids are normally going to be very bitter. They're going to be bitter at both uh, uh, parents because now they have to split their loyalties uh, of course they look at the future and say i'm really not going to have a com- consolidated family where i can bring my grandchildren to uh... those are issues that are very unsettling so you've got to realize that you're dealing with this to begin with and it uh... Um, uh is going to to uh... cause anger to show or reveal itself normally in your children Uh, I try to get, uh, with the parent project training, I try to get both parents, even if they're divorced or separated, whatever the case is, get them there so that you can get on the same page. If you can understand how you encourage children as opposed to uh, letting them languish in their anger and their bitterness, you're going to be able to make some progress. But it's rather unlikely to see any progress if you don't take some of these constructive steps. Um, I can't get give you all the steps here on the air, but again, I would suggest you take uh, one of my parenting project classes, which would give you your Christian uh, curriculum, Christian principles, Christian virtues that you can use, and I think you'll see that they'll be very, very helpful.
4: Okay, and so going online, um, I'm sure that there's information. Are they kind of like regular classes that you offer?
3: Uh, they're... 12 hours of classes, uh, and they're three-hour classes, uh, 16 units of training uh, in 12 weeks of three hours of training.
4: And what part of California are you in?
3: Uh, Right now, the only place we've got classes in is at Neighborhood Church in Castro Valley. Uh, Every other month, I do a class there. We do classes with other churches in, in the 10 Bay Area County here. But right now, I not. I don't have anything scheduled with any of the other churches. This might be a good reminder to you, if you're attending a, a church here in the Bay Area, talk to your pastor, ask him if he would help sponsor a Parent Project class, and uh, have him get in touch with me, and we'll see what we can do for you.
4: Your work is very needed, and thank you very much. And, Craig, you're still awesome. All, all
2: right. right. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate the call. <laughs> I have to laugh. You mentioned about, uh, well, you have to commit yourself to 12 weeks. I'm thinking, well, most parents understand they're committed for at least 18 years, and in this generation, with the boomerangers, uh, they end up coming back, and so sometimes 18 years turns into 30, well, maybe longer. So all in all, when it comes to the kind of time investment, it's, it's pretty worthwhile, isn't it?
3: It is huge. Um The majority of people that come to Parent Project, their children are in their teens. That means that they've already been conditioned. All right? These
2: behaviors have been reinforced for years and years. And a lot of these behaviors, don't they come from the family of origin, meaning that I parent this way because that's the way mom and dad parented, and even though sometimes we swear up and down, I'm not going to do it the way my father did it, we wind up doing it that way anyway because we saw so much of it, that that was what was modeled, so that's what deep down we know. And Craig, even
3: those that I have in my class that I go through this, I am seeing families struggle because they have been used to using issues like anger to manage their children.
2: Meaning a meaning, uh, child acts out, misbehaves, you immediately respond with anger, raise voice, slamming things around, whatever, whatever your style and might And maybe be. even corporal punishment. Corporal punishment. And the child reacts in kind. Absolutely.
3: There's a basic tenet here that I want to kind of share with the audience maybe that might be very helpful. Um, we cannot expect a different behavior from our children
2: than what we model for them. The likelihood of that just is not likely. Yeah, I mean, if you watch a boxing match, uh, the first guy that throws a punch, the other guy doesn't say, now let's talk about this. That's no, right. he throws no, a throw punch, punch back.
3: That's right. uh, so this is very basic. We need to understand this. Um, I find it amazing. I'll have parents with their children come in for counseling or something, and I'll watch the two as the parents trying to explain to me, wanting me to... Um, reform the child right Mm -hmm. there give them a magic bullet some kind of a strategy that they can do and I sit here and watch these two argue in front of me and I'm sitting here as the other adult as the counselor saying do you Vern are you observing the disrespect that's happening between these two which one's the adult Mm. (laughs) because the adult should be modeling respect respect begets respect disrespect begets disrespect if we don't change first as the adult and demonstrate respect to the child, we can't even expect respect.
2: Well, this issue of expectations is very important too, isn't it, because you know we, we are expecting our child to behave in a certain way or a certain fashion. When we don't get that result, we behave based, again, on our family of origin. When that doesn't work, we think, well, I yelled, you didn't do it right, so if I yell louder or yell longer, somehow that will make a difference. And in fact, all it does is exacerbate in already bad situation. And so expecting our child to somehow change when we're not willing to change ourselves is really pretty disingenuous. I mean, there's a disconnect from reality there Absolutely. at the core, isn't there? A huge
3: disconnect, an absolute disconnect. We cannot expect a result when we're demonstrating disrespect, dishonor, um, anger, when we're modeling that, what in the world is the cue to the child? to Give me some feedback, son, daughter. You're going to go to the same level, mm. the same decibel. In fact, it's going to accelerate. It's going to get further anger and further. Anger
2: begets anger.
3: Respect begets respect. Disrespect begets. So we, as the family leader, have got to understand a very basic concept. Um, now, one of the other things you talked about, expectations. I, in counseling with families, will... Well, you know, the family want to see the kid change, but they don't believe that he will or she will. So if you in your heart don't believe, then how are you going to react to that child? With are you gonna really give them a real a genuine expectation? I can I expect you to send change son or daughter. No. When it happens you're gonna say, See I knew it. Mm. And you've just defeated, you just popped the balloon of that that kid all over again. No, you weren't expecting me to change. And again, you're just—we're not going to move off this anger, this contentious, this
2: environment of hostility. Uh, and that's where our families. So, so when are someone concerned. comes to you and says, "You know, my child has a behavior problem," the bigger issue is this isn't a child problem. This is really a problem. familial problem or an
3: adult problem, because our, we, as adults, are the head of the family. We set the leadership role, and if we don't provide that leadership role. Uh, I'm going to say, in 98 percent of the cases that I deal with, I deal with, I have dealt with a lot of them in my life. It's an adult
2: problem. Mm-hmm. It's not a juvenile. And do you see ongoing, repeat patterns of behavior in the way the parent and child are relating to each other? And by that, I mean, you know, it, it's not. <laughs> I know that it happens, but it's probably more frequent that a child begins acting out at a younger age and it just grows. Worse, they're not always Nothing. absolute perfect angels. And then turn eighteen, it can happen. But oftentimes there's a, there's a pattern here, is there not? Absolutely. And and part of that pattern, it seems to be that again, this disconnect from reality is this notion. It's almost the the definition of insanity. The parent tries the same method over and over and over and over and over again, thinking, well, if I just do it long enough, if I yell loud enough, that maybe somehow one day, eventually, they will quote unquote get. The message, but that never happens, and the parent never wakes up to the reality. Wait a minute, we've been relating to each other like this as parent and and child for fifteen years, twenty years, and
3: you will find that estrangement carries on into their entire life Mm -hmm. and is passing on to the next generation. This is a very serious issue, Craig—extremely serious—and
2: it's infecting the next generation: kids in Christian families And and outside.
3: I would say half the people that come to my parent project, which is a faith-based, are are half of them are non-Christian, desperate for an answer. Mm-hmm. Now it is very tough for them. When I, as the first session, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, "Listen, if you want to change your home, you've got to change first. If you're not prepared to do that, there's the door. Don't spend your money with me. Don't waste my time. That's a tough one. I can see the panic in their eyes." Mm-hmm. And then the families that will go through the course, I can, I'll can i talk to many of these families six months later. See, we are creatures of habit. So what happens is I've trained them uh, to do things in a new way, but that takes practice. Yes. That takes sure. time. Yeah. Well, what happens is they become weary in six months. They let the guard down. What is going to happen now? Things may well be worse. Mm-hmm. Because now the kid has seen the, I'm going to use the term hypocrisy, of what the parent knows better but won't continue with. The consistency is so critical.
2: it's time for the adults to act like an adult in a lot of cases, isn't it? And a lot of us have a problem with that. We're going to take a time out. Come back to more of the conversation, more of your calls. We've got Vern Tyler with us in studio today. He's with the uh, Hosanna Pathways and um, the uh, Hosanna Parent Project. By the way, you can get more information on the web at hosannapathways.org. That's hosannapathways.org. Also, the hosannaparentproject.org. Both to get you roundabout to the same location to find out information about having a series uh, taught in your local church or again attending uh, the classes that are being made available right now at Neighborhood Church in Castro Valley also on the, the phone at 844 Kid Hope that's 844 K I D H O P E or again HosannaPathways.org. a brief time out back with more as lifeline continues
1: and now back to lifeline with Craig Roberts
2: All right, we're coming back to the conversation. Vern Tyler with us today from the Hosanna Parent Project and uh, Hosanna Pathways. Again, more information on the web at hosannapathways.org. We're going to get back to more of your calls. We're going to go to Rob and Vallejo. Rob, good afternoon. Come on in with your question for Vern Tyler.
5: Hi, uh, Mr. Tyler. Uh, Thank you for your time, Uh, Craig. uh, I love listening to you. You you bring on a lot of good stuff. Uh, Mr. Tyler... Um, I'm a 40-year-old dad, a little background. I, I came from a violent home. Um, I suffered incest and rape, uh, but I have three children. One was just born uh, a couple weeks ago, and I have a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old. Um, my 7 year old's a uh, boy, and he's a pretty good boy. Um, but I'm having problems with uh, my 5-year-old little girl. Um, she's uh, a little bit more mischievous, and... Uh, but she's a beautiful little girl and I love her um, But I, you know Going back to, you know, how we were raised And then how I was raised I was raised um, in a lot of anger uh, My parents um, suffered addiction problems And uh, a lot of that stuff came back to me as a child And, uh, and I see myself as a parent now Sometimes uh, I can get into the mold of my dad Who, you know, was a quiet man except for when you made him upset, then he got real loud and real angry and real violent. And, uh, and I, I noticed those tendencies within myself, but, you know, I curb them to the best of my ability. Um, I try to stay as cool as possible, but I'm going to admit, I don't think I do a very good job. And I'm sensing, you know, that disrespect from my daughter coming back to me, and I'm wondering, like, what advice would you have when I'm getting caught in that moment when I'm feeling that fire come inside of me, uh, because my little girl is, you know, doing the wrong thing or, um, talking back. Uh, how do I, what, what should be my first response? I don't want to react. I want to respond. And, and, and just a little coaching would be, uh, very appreciated here because I'm, I'm going to be on my way home tonight And I already know that when I get through the door, and maybe I'm setting myself up for a little bit of failure here, but because I know my little girl and how she can push my buttons, how do I respond when she does start to push my buttons?
3: Let me just uh, uh, give you a little word of encouragement to begin with. The emotional issues that you're sensing, those are normal human emotions. So don't beat yourself up over that. The idea you need to do here is work, uh, learn some skills so that you can... uh, control or manage those times of rage Um, even those of us that are professional uh, we become very angry and we can go into rage I've got to check myself daily I'll have situations that arise Um, uh, you've got young children don't wait for your five-year-old to get to 15 when she has been in effect conditioned, allowed, not knowing how to manage these behaviors. Uh, The longer that goes, the more ingrained they become, the more they become a habit to her. You want to find strategies and ways that you can avoid that. At an early age,
2: and it's more than just biting your tongue, isn't that's it? I mean, right. he mentioned about yes. uh, he mentioned about his daughter, you know, knowing how to push his buttons, and I bet he knows how to push right back. Too. Absolutely, absolutely, and and then it uh, she, escalates, and,
3: and she probably enjoys that. Mm-hmm. See, strong-willed kids enjoy that's an adrenaline kind of a, of an issue. You get into a tit for tat, and a little kid that can take on an adult and um, and uh, uh, match up. I mean, that's. That that's uh, there, there's some gratification, healing you know, gratification that comes from that, even for a five year old. So you've got to learn. You need to learn how to walk away from that. You don't argue with children. As adults, we have to learn that. And that's one of the first things I have to teach my parents: is you never argue. You don't have to argue. Uh, if you are a respectful person and expect respect back, uh, one of the first things you understand is I can't argue. I won't argue because it's only going to turn into an angry circumstance. So we avoid that. So, again, in in the training that I try to provide, this is one of the key things to work with families, is learn how to avoid arguing. Don't let things escalate. Set the leadership standard of respect. Uh, and then
2: expect respect back. Now, we as parents, I think, naturally want to control the situation. We don't want the five-year-old to beat us, and we are willing sometimes to to again engage in that tit for tat and escalation because we're determined before this exchange is over with that we're gonna we're gonna make our point. We're gonna we're going to impress our will upon that child, no matter what. And of course, the child knowing that, and as Rob admits knows how to press his buttons and is going to press right back. Absolutely. When you reach that kind of scenario, when you feel it starting to escalate, are there times, Vern, when it makes sense to just walk away, to not say, I'm here, going to beat you down until I win, but rather to say, until we can have a conversation? I wouldn't say walk away as such.
3: Okay. But yes, you do have to distance yourself. But again, it has to be done in a respectful way.
2: So how do you disengage from that? You know, even with a five-year-old, it can escalate pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. How, how do you, when you feel it starting, you feel that rush coming up inside, and you know Mount Vesuvius is about to blow, how do you disengage from the child without looking as if you're surrendering? It's
3: basically very easy, if, again, if you understand the concept. If, as an adult, you are respectful to the child, then you can expect or demand respect back. So if a child starts misbehaving, talking back, misbehaving, or whatever the case, uh, whatever action that might be, uh, or attitude that they're reflecting, um, I just look at the child and I say, honey, I'm not going to argue. I'm going to respect you, and I expect respect back. All right? So can we have a normal, calm conversation about the issue, or do we have to disengage here for a while? Do I need to leave? See, I'm being respectful. I'm not just simply going to disrespectfully leave okay. because the child's going to say, oh, I won. Yeah, yeah, I won. Or what a disrespectful way to do it. Even a five-year-old understands that. Mm-hmm. But you engage in conversation, and you if you do have to leave, and many times you're going to have to leave, all right, you leave and say, I'll be back in five minutes. Maybe only one minute or two minutes for a little five-year-old. I don't know. So you're going to to separate, and you come back and say, honey, can we have, now have a good discussion, or
2: do we still need to take some more time? And meanwhile, that's got the child beginning to think in Absolutely. terms of reprogramming the behavior, because that's they say, right. well, wait a minute now. I used to get satisfaction. His daughter probably gets some satisfaction out of pushing his buttons. Absolutely. Now we well, I push daddy's buttons. See, that's part of Daddy the motivation. Daddy didn't respond.
3: That's the motivation. Hmm. That's the motivation. I don't know what her, what Rob's daughter is like here, but she could well love to engage just to show that she is a big girl and she hmm. can handle herself with her adult father. Mm-hmm. That could be a psychological issue that's very profound here. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to judge this not knowing the whole circumstance, but uh, that could very well happen.
2: It, it sounds like uh, Rob would be a good candidate for yes. some training. I mean, what parent wouldn't be? They all, We all need it. We all need it. You're not going to do this, and you're not going to change this behavior. He's not going to get home tonight. Take this approach that you've just mentioned, and see his daughter make him 180 by tomorrow morning. No, no. And so see you've got has to, yes. to be committed to this, don't and you? That's right.
3: The commitment, the long term, and you've got to model it, and you can't wink at it. See, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this challenge on now. No, no. You've got to be consistent when they're when our kids bump us with disrespect or bump us with inappropriate behavior. Gently bump them back we don't do that, remember? That shows disrespect. That's not a righteous behavior. Use righteous. How many times do we ever hear anybody ever use the term
2: righteous behavior? For those
3: of us in the church, this should be common.
2: And is it important for both parents to be on the same page? Absolutely. Because if one is taking this approach and yet mom still acts out and screams and yells well every kid knows if i don't get my way or satisfaction with one parent i run to the other one
3: well and if it's if it's an adrenaline thing you're going to go where you can have get your adrenaline right you're going to go to mom of course you've got a number of factors that play into this Mm -hmm. so it's very complicated but yet it's very
2: simple all right I, i hope at least to some uh minute degree that's been of some help to you rob
5: yeah, it has been. And, and whatever information I could get as far as the church in Castro Valley, uh, where you are offering classes.
2: Um, They're doing classes at Neighborhood month. Church in Castro Valley. And you can go to org to get more information. A podcast yeah. will be up tonight, too, as well. And you can always recapture tonight's broadcast on our podcast.
3: The other thing they can go to is the Parent Project uh, website, which is www.parentproject.com. And uh-huh. all of the classes, now I'm the only one that I know of in on the West Coast that's doing the Faith-Based Parent Project. The others are secular. But you'll see all the classes on, that, uh, on their uh, website, and you can register from their website, too. Uh-huh. Rob, I look Definitely forward to meeting you, buddy.
2: All right. Thanks for the call, Rob. We're going to take a brief time out Back with more as Lifeline continues.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Thank you, sir. Back to more of our conversation. Vern Tyler is with us tonight in studio with Vern and his wife, Judy... I guess long about in the 1970s first got involved in foster parenting mm-hmm. and that went from uh, a career in banking as I recall right, right. Uh, to uh, now foster parenting kids over 800 to yours and Judy's credit and uh, and now taking a lot of that experience that you have and you, you know for the listener you talk to a guy who's successfully raised not only three of his own biological children who were all involved in, in full time ministry but also touched the lives of eight 100 other kids that they help raise you think I'm about to hear from an expert so with that in mind he's sharing some of the insights we're talking about um, the um, parent project and changing behaviors and patterns of, uh, of the family of origin and giving you the kind of skills necessary uh, to change the direction of your child's life and the entire dynamic within the family. Back to more of your calls. Misty in San Francisco come on in with your comment Question for Vern Tyler.
6: Hi guys, uh, I just had an observation and a comment. Um, okay, he mentioned that I believe 98% of people that come into counseling really have extreme issues and my experience out there in the world and with uh, abusive men, et cetera, is you're dealing with at least ninety eight to ninety nine percent of people that do not live with honor, are dysfunctional, do not process correctly. So they are all raising these kids and this is a cycle that's just going on and on and on. And you cannot change those people, even under the most extreme circumstances. I mean it it, it can take years, and they have to be willing, and most people just really aren't willing to look inside, so it's, you know, I would like to actually put a a view out there that a lot of people for some reason aren't comfortable with, but I don't know why everyone grows up and just has kids. A lot of people should not be having kids. We're living in an overpopulated world, and the dysfunction and the abuse is absolutely out Landish, and that is what is being
3: Misty Misty, Misty, can I interrupt you here for a little bit I think I understand where you're coming from that's a frustration I think that we all share Um, but as a human being a person of faith I've got to have hope Uh, and I've got to try to change my world in a positive way and that's what I'm doing Uh, now let me just kind of reinforce if you will one of your points that you made is that people don't want to change that's so true And uh, these parents, uh, you know, we've had a couple of calls in here today. I can hear these parents, yeah, they would like to change, but the real question is, will they change? Do they have the will to change? Uh, We can't control people. I can't control people. I can give them information. I can lovingly share with them and encourage them and nurture them. And I hope that they pick up some pointers, pick up some help. That will help them—not not only themselves, but the next generation. Their well, and, there's,
2: and there's a fundamental point that I think you're both making here. Number one, I, I I certainly concur with Misty, and I think a lot of us out there we we see parents, you know, whether we right. read the stories about what's going on in a family, or we watch them, you know, at at the store and the way that and I've the kids cared are behaving, for eight hundred of those kids, and you think to yourself. <laughs> Whatever made that person think that they want to get together with with a, a member of the opposite sex and procreate there there ought to be a you know a law <laughs> that said. It's going to happen. Yes. You're not going to stop them. You're not going to ever get a point in society that says you have to have a license and pass the test to pre-qualify you for as parent. I mean, that may, maybe in some society someday, should uh, should Jesus tarry, that that might be the case. But at this point, the reality is, yes, bad people who come from bad families grew up to be bad parents and raise bad kids, and the cycle and the process repeats. All of that said, many of these parents... That you run into. Start the dialogue with help me change my child. That means you got to change. There's the key. And this is I think part of what what, what Misty is saying. Misty, you're right. Yeah. It really starts with the parent having to change first because they're kind of the initiator of the problem and again I want to be fair to parents out there I know there are some parents out there yes. that say well wait a minute well, I'm a pastor we've done all the right things we've loved our kids and given them everything and tried to teach them all of the uh, the proper things and they still went awry and it happens because we all have free will mm-hmm. and we're going to make choices mm-hmm. and we're not always going to make the right choices mm-hmm. but you also need to be equipped the skills necessary that can help you Change some of that direction and dialogue. And you know what? Some parents are going to do their best and they're going to go to a, a program like this and they're going to learn the skills and they're going to change things and the kid's still going to wind up in San Quentin. Yeah. Yes. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a larger percentage for whom. There's real hope in this. And sometimes it's the only hope that they have. Not to change their kids, but start... By changing what you can control. You're not going to control your kids. And you know what? If you admit it deep down, you know that. All right. But you can change yourself. And help your kids change mm-hmm. by changing yourself. Misty, great questions. Great comment. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call tonight, Misty. As we wind down our time, we've touched on, I think, some basic principles here today. There's, there's so much deeper that we need to go to. I'm struck by the fact that uh, uh, in one community where the parenting project was put to use, the police had reported that they had received in a one-year period of time from 15 families that got to be the familiar addresses that the police had received 87 phone calls from 15 families. Now that's an average of like six phone calls from each of these families with domestic disputes and issues going on, the child misbehaving, you know, my son stole my car, my he hit my wife, that kind of stuff. These families in this community, these 15 families went through the parenting project and then they began to apply the skills that they had learned in changing themselves. And from the police department, one year later, here are the results. A year before, 87 phone calls to the police from 15 families. One year later, the same 15 families, four telephone calls to the police department. Now that says to me that there was something that changed. yes. And so I think it's it's indicative of the fact that there is hope out there. The change begins with you as a parent. And to learn those skills, again, more information available at HosannaPathways.org. That's HosannaPathways.org. There are classes right now taking place uh, here in the Bay Area at Neighborhood Church in Castor Valley. If you'd like to call and say, wow, we need this in our church. How do we get it going? How can we get plugged in? Go to HosannaPathways.org or call 844 kid HOPE. That's 844-K-I-D-H-O-P-E.
1: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications. All rights reserved. In the darkest night, even the smallest light shines bright. Remember, we are called to be salt and light. AM 1100 KFAX San Francisco and at OnePlace.com